What is up, everybody? This is Brayden from Flint Mastering, and I am the host and content curator of the Mixing Music Podcast exclusive episodes. And today we have for you an exclusive archive, which means you're going to hear an exclusive episode that DK and I recorded almost a year ago. You're going to have the chance to hear what our exclusive episodes are all about and how much fun and learning goes on between me and DK as we discuss technical tips and important techniques in relation to producing music mixing and mastering. If you enjoy this episode and you'd like to be a part of the exclusive content we provide twice a week, you can do so by heading over to mixingmusicpodcast.com forward slash exclusive. Thank you so much for listening. We love you. We appreciate you. And we couldn't do this podcast without you. I hope you enjoy this episode of the exclusive archives. And with that, happy mixing, my friends, and stay saucy. And welcome back to yet another exclusive subscriber-only episode of the Mixing Music Podcast. It is the return of the king, the host himself. It is I, Braden from Flint Mastering, joining the show again this week. And joining me, joining the show, are two men that held down the fort while I had a situation. Daddy DK and James Dean. What's up, boys? Hello, what up? <laughs> que pasa, y'all? Que pasa, pops? I'm gonna bring it back. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, queso. DK, what are you eating? Uh, pantequeso. No, I'm just kidding. I wish. I'm eating. I'm ge- I'm eating. Kayako, my wife made some pumpkin stew, Japanese pumpkin stew. Which is a milk-based pumpkin-flavored stew with chunks of pumpkin, kabocha, Japanese pumpkin squash, or whatever it's called, um, and homemade bread. Nice homemade something. Yeah, it's just dinner time. And um, well, what we keep doing is is we keep uh, rescheduling these meetings. So I'm now I'm interrupted <laughs> my family dinner time to do this fucking show. Come on, y'all. yeah. But like, how much do you love them? You know. I mean, <laughs> we're your family now. But anyway. no, I just asked because it looked like you were eating an Uncrustable. The bread looked like those little Uncrustables. You know what I'm talking about? The peanut butter and jelly ones. No, because my parents loved me, actually. And they like, well, I, I didn't eat them as a kid. They had jelly in them, so I wasn't going to touch them. But it just looked like, you it. know, you know, what's funny is that was a double joke because yeah, I was two. <laughs> One, one is that they actually did make me everything, so I never really had any Uncrustables, so it's like that was a funny joke. But they oh. definitely didn't treat me like they love <laughs> <laughs> They made you food because they didn't love you. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. But, uh, yeah, no. Well, um, before we go too deep into DK's family history and his psychological background, let's go deep on something we all care about. <laughs> Manny Mariquin's mixing techniques. <laughs> Damn straight. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. We care about your mental health, DK. Yeah, we love that's, you. For, that's for the uh, next tier for subscribers, the, the higher paid yeah. tiers. 
fifteen dollars a month gets you our three man therapy sessions together. <laughs> Holy shit! Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but for real, we have a clip from Manny Mariquin, one of the goats, one of the best mixers of all time. Mix, you guys know him, you love him. Uh, I think you do. I don't think there's anyone that doesn't like his mixes. But today, Manny is going to be talking to us about. Uh, the low end in a mix. Somebody You'll hear somebody asks him a question. It's a mix with the master's Q&A, and then he will respond to the question. So without further ado, here we go. Manny Mariquin talking about his low end. Roll the tape. I'm a fan of your work. I heard many of your mixes. I like a lot the way you control your low end. Correct me if I have a wrong perception that your low end is not that low. It would be great if you give a brief explanation about your philosophy about low end. Okay, so a lot of music today, low end is already, that decision has been made for you. Whether it's an 808, a kick, bass, all that stuff. Um, I talk, you know, listen, there's no easy explanation on this, except if I showed you my technique on that, which is, you know, a lot of us say, how do you carve frequencies out? How do you clean those frequencies out? Um, I like to have a clean low end. And, and when I say clean, it doesn't mean that it's not grimy. It's just it's defined low end. Um, so what happens is when you EQ an 808, you're, I personally don't EQ an 808, but I do carve around that frequency so that the 808 pops out in a natural way. Um, the 808 is already low, so you, I, don't, I don't think you need to add any low end to that. Um, kicks. Is there a marriage between the kick and the 808? And now do you have a bass? Is the bass fighting? So low-end information is probably some of the hardest thing to control in a mix because there's, a, there's just so much room for all that information. So good technique for me is what I try to teach here is carving information, carving all those, all that low-end information with EQ level compression, a combination of one of those three, if not all three, just to kind of clean up the low end so that stuff exists. Uh, again, my philosophy about it is I love punchiness, and if the low end is nice and punchy and clean, then usually I don't worry about how low my low is because that decision has been made for me. And if there's an 808, chances are it's going to be pretty low. Um, so I, ho I hope that helps. I know it's a pretty uh, complicated uh, subject. Alrighty, fellas, a lot to talk about from that clip from our friend Manny. Uh, a couple points that stood out to me. I thought it was interesting. He starts the clip by saying the low end decision has already been made for you. And I also like that he said clean doesn't mean not grimy. It means defined. And he talks about he's he's not EQing like kicks or 808s. He's carving other frequencies around them so that they poke out. So DK, give us your thoughts on this, and then we'll go to James for why you picked the clip for us. Um, wait, wouldn't it make more sense to have James tell us why he picked the clip, and then I say my thoughts? That's all right. Yeah. Fuck it. I'm gonna I'm gonna say my no. thoughts. I don't care. James, you go first. <laughs> oh, okay. Parents, please. Why'd stop you fighting. pick it? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. I picked this. Uh, a. It's a great clip. He gives really good information. And B. I feel like with my mixes right now, my weaker points of them is in the low end. I'm still trying to figure out how to dial it in to get that sound that people describe him having. 
And so it, it, it's for me, it, it is a balance of like trying to figure out, okay, when do I just carve the low end out of an instrument that isn't really low end focused? When do I do a high pass filter? When do I just kind of leave it as it is and maybe just turn it down or use a compressor? That That's something I've, I'm still trying to focus on or dial in. So this clip I feel like was kind of helpful in in the methodology of like focus, focusing on everything that's around the low end so that it could pop out on its own. This is really interesting because actually specifically to what you're talking about, I have reason to believe that, well, okay, one, um, generalized, not specific to James, how can you know what to compress or what to EQ in the low end if you can't fucking hear it? So that means speakers, most speakers don't go super low. They're like, you know, to 45 degree, 45 hertz and below. Like you need a subwoofer. And then on top of that, you need to have a room that's good enough. And on top of that, most importantly, not only do you need to have nicer speakers that can handle that much low end or a subwoofer to handle that much low end, then you need to have fucking solid acoustics. The room needs to be big enough to for the low that sub frequencies, those sub frequencies to develop. And like, so for example, a minimum, I think like 13 to 14 feet will get you like 30 hertz you know i saw i need to do the math again but like something like that you need to have a minimum of 13 to 14 feet in one direction of the room um in order to for that base wave to develop within the room okay and then uh, on top of that um you got to have like the proper absorption within that big size so you can actually hear the the low end that's coming out of your speakers and not the reverberations or the resonances around the room. So that's just tough to do. Headphones are always a great option. So that's generalized why low end is so hard for most people. And number and, and specific to James, I, I do think like I think we've talked about this before, like it seems like it's like a consistent thing that we've seen together that we've looked at together. Where it's like, I think it's like a monitoring thing. Like, I think it's just tough to hear anything unless you can really analyze it. And like to get to a point, like you either got to use like headphones and get really comfortable with headphones just for the low end checking or something like that. Like, I think you have good taste. I think it's literally just a, you're una unable to hear it. And I think it's difficult for most people to create a setup where you can. Yeah, That's, I, I, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. What do you, what do you think about that? That was a good thing to point out. I, cause I do check on my AirPods at the end of the mix, and those point out a lot of things to low end. But I think I should just start checking it out too on my Audio Technica's. They're not perfect for mixing, but like I think they will reveal a lot more in the low end. Yeah, I, I think in that end, it's like something that's like more consistent. So whatever you do decide to use for reference, make sure that you spend a lot of time like again referencing, doing the homework beforehand. Where you like learn those headphones because you're gonna have to learn those headphones, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that and really focus in even on my normal monitors on the low end, just how it sounds across different mixes and stuff. I think that's a great idea. Fantastic idea. All right. Uh, second thing. Now talking about the clip. One, yeah, you, you know how much I love Manny Mariquin, the goat. Okay. I tried interning for him. Um. That's a whole nother story. I've met him a bunch of times. I actually know where he's lived. I actually helped. I don't know if there's like a last winter. I did like a seasonal gig for Tesla and I like gave him his Tesla that he bought last year. And so it's like, I, <laughs> anyway, that's a whole nother thing. I'm not going to, I'm not going to dox him on the internet or whatever it is. Um, but 
He's super cool. I love his mixing. I love his mixes. I love how versatile he is. And I totally agree with that sort of mentality. One, I love the idea that he doesn't like EQ it as much. It's mostly like EQing other things to fit around the low end. Um, two, yes, I do believe some some songs, the low end is already decided by the producer because it's like a feeling thing. The pressure of the low end frequencies is definitely a, fe- a vibe. I literally, this is hot on my mind because literally the last mix that I did that was approved yesterday, okay, was um, I did a mix and the low end was big, very big. Un- Sorry, like a weirdly big. And um, I tamed it. I tried to tame it. And then I sent it out to him. He's like, it sounds good. But like, I know you had to tame the low end. But uh, honestly speaking, you kind of killed it for me. Like, I, as in like, I don't like it. Like, y- can you put it back at least as big as it was? Um, and so I did. I made it cleaner than the way that he described where it's like punchier and like it's more stable and it's it's compressed so it doesn't poke out as much. Um, but I left it as big as the producer as the producer intended and then immediately mix two got approved as soon as I did that. Nice. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to let the uh, mastering engineer because this specific record, usually the client has um, a buddy of mine, Gerhard, master the record. Um, and so it's like, this is, that's one thing I, as a mixer, it's like, I'm going to add as much low end as the client wants and, uh, loudness and low end. That's going to be on Gerhard's plate. The master engineer's play. I'll be like, hey, you know, whatever, fuck around, find out. All right, cool. <laughs> I don't, I don't know how I'm going to get this loud, but he can figure it out. Yeah. Get effed Gerhard. Good <laughs> luck. <laughs> no, but I mean, that is kind of relaxing to not have to worry about it. So I basically just have unlimited, relatively unlimited headroom. To do as much low end as the client wants and let the mastering engineer deal with how much he's going to take away. Yeah. I'm curious, what is, how to describe this? I've, I've heard it described both ways and I know it's a thing that you figure out just by listening to it. But because sometimes I, I sometimes see people, they'll do a high pass filter, just completely chopping out the very subs, like the very low end of instruments that aren't low end heavy. They're more in like the mids or the top end. Versus doing like a low shelf or something like that. How do you, I guess, what's your approach to deciding what to do or when to just completely chop out the low end to make that space for the bass instruments? Are you asking me personally? Yeah, I'm just curious. Yeah, this is something I'm yeah, trying um, to really dial in. Yeah, so personally, I will do it based on what I assume is the intention of the of the mix. And here's the thing, I literally got it fucking wrong yesterday, so like... Mm. <laughs> right, so I don't know how much this goes. May, I think it's more wise to listen to what Manny said, and I think I have to take a note from it too, which is the low end is the low end and don't fuck around with it too much. I, he did specifically say that compression and levels you you can mess around with. So, for example, if it's like a floppy bass, and again, that's how he described not clean. Clean is not floppy bass. It's a very tight, punchy low end. Um, It's a very controlled low end. That's what he described as clean. Not lack of distortion, but like dynamically clean. Um, He said if you, in order to get a tight low end, sometimes you need to lower the volume. Sometimes you may need to compress it. But he said, we don't, I don't even EQ the 808 or whatever. um, And I EQ the kick drum or the other things around it. Um, which is really interesting. I, that's interesting because kick drums typically don't have a range of frequencies. Like it's, it's not shifting pitch. It's the same pitch every single time. 
and where like an 808 is going to switch between a couple octaves, you know, it's going to play around within a couple octaves. So that makes sense that, you know, um, to kind of give it some space, the space that it needs, that it wants. Um, but personally, um, I, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I can hear it. So sometimes it needs, if I do a high pass filter, it's because I can tell that that's, what's going to solve the floppiness. But there's also been times where I put on a high pass filter and then it ruins it. It actually makes it worse. I don't like it. Hmm. But the point is like, I can't make those decisions unless I hear it. Okay, cool. Yeah. That answered my question. Braden, do you have any thoughts on this? Honestly, the bane of my existence, too much low end as a mastering engineer and trying to get it loud at the same time. It's tricky. It's hard. Uh, I don't really feel like I do anything special in terms of it. I just basically like, if there's way too much, then I just use a multiband compressor and I just compress the low end like a dB or two. And then I, I don't ever use a full uh, high pass cut. I always do a low shelf. Um, just because... I don't really feel like, and maybe this is literally the phase shift, but I, I've heard people say like, oh, if you use a full low cut on a master, it will shift the phase and then it will sound all wonky. I don't know if I agree with that necessarily. No, I've but- noticed it. I've noticed it a few times, especially recently since we last talked about it. Like in the last couple of months, now it's like I can tell when I do a high pass filter, it doesn't just cut the sub stuff. Like it weakens the low end sometimes. Hmm. There's this weird thing for me that like it just feels like it shifts the whole frequency spectrum up. Like I don't know how to describe it other than like you yeah. lose all the super lows and then all of the emphasis that like you had power and you had emphasis in the low end, it all gets shifted up to the mid range and top end. Yeah. So now the mix immediately sounds brighter. And you know, like DK and I have talked about that. Like if you want it bright, you can either boost the top end or cut low end. But I feel like that's especially noticeable if you do a full high pass filter low end cut on a master. So I always just do a shelf. Usually it's like, 18 to 20 hertz and below i do this thing where i do i put the the filter in solo and then i sweep it up really slowly until i can hear just rumbling in my headphones and then that's where i stop i don't go any higher than the rumbling because that's all i want to get rid of so that's that's kind of my process just do a low shelf uh yeah, for mastering, and that's about it. And usually the combination of a low shelf plus a multi-band compressor, if the low end is crazy, does enough to where I can still have a big low end and make it really loud. So. Yeah, I agree. I think that's I think that's wise. Low shelf works great. Cool. I think, personally, for me, a takeaway is I'm going to... I need to really figure out the best way to monitor low end just in my current setup I could afford. I don't want like just like my setup to be an excuse for why my low end's not better. I feel like there are ways for me to figure that out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's definitely ways for you to figure it out, especially because you do have sound ID. So like every headphone, well, most headphones have a profile built into sound ID, which can even flatten it out even more. Yeah, yeah. They have one for the Audio-Technica, so I might, yeah, I'm just going to try it out. dial that in, yeah. Try it out. I don't know if it's going to help at all, but I mean, like they're there, so might as well try them. yeah. Another thing you can do just from my own experience using headphones a lot is just use your headphones a lot. <laughs> like that's, I know that sounds really stupid and that sounds like I'm being like a douche, but like 
I switched from using my monitors to headphones for mastering because I just found it a much more pleasant experience, and I felt like I'd he- I could hear everything better. And are you wearing? Are you using your Audis right now? No, I just I literally just use my Audio Technicas for mastering. For I know real, that sounds like blasphemous, but I have just listened to so much music on these that like I can reference it. I know if it sounds wrong or if it sounds right. Mm-hmm. And I have never had somebody complain about the masters I've done on these headphones. Not a single time. Cool. So, nice. If it works, it works. Yeah, if you if you have the Audio Technica, they I don't really think they sound great, but I think they do a good job for audio engineering. So. Uh, again, like I think like the big value point is that you're just so used to them and you've done so much listening and mix or mastering mixing with them. So like DJing, I assume too, like you've listened to, you've done a lot of work in the headphones. So I think that's more valuable than having nice headphones. I agree. Anyway. um, Yeah. What a great tip. I mean, I'm going to try some things from that too. I, I live like, it's so front of mind. I literally fucked up the low end the first time. Well, not fucked it up, but I mean like I cut too much out of mix one and they said put it back and boom it was done Hmm. like it's 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 like so insane how recent this exact experience was how perfect timing this episode was so yeah the takeaway maybe try to maybe try to mix around your low end i think um same thing like when we talk about like rough mixes and trying to leave it similar with the rough mix you know you're not trying to take the song in a different or a new direction you're trying to take it down the same direction and maybe touch it up a little bit just make it tighter um and uh i think the same exact approach to low end like respect and honor the low end that was intentionally created because even if it's way too much the thing is is that they were in the studio listening to way too much low end and they like loved it you know they're like oh this is awesome even if it's not the ideal situation the ideal amount of low end so like if you do cut it, just make sure like with levels and compression, you control it or like lower the volume or, or whatever, right? Lower the volume and compress it, but like you still have that vibe where it's a lot of low end. And maybe, maybe what they want is something that you're uncomfortable doing. And, I'm, and I say uncomfortable on purpose because um, usually people say that they don't like it. They think it's wrong, but I'm saying that what you should when when your brain says that or your mouth says that you should translate in your brain that you're uncomfortable with it and it doesn't mean that it's wrong hmm. it's okay to it's okay to to be uncomfortable while mixing well put very well put perfect well we will go ahead and wrap up there i think that's a super good discussion on low end i think there's a lot of really really great tips to take there and apply to your own mixing. And uh, thank you all so much for listening. Thank you for subscribing. We love you. We appreciate you. We cannot do this without you. Join the Mixing Music Discord if you haven't already. Mixingmusic.com forward slash videos for all of DK's Twitch and YouTube goodies and links.dkmixes.com for all of DK's cool, free, and helpful stuff. And you can also go to mixingmusicpodcast.com forward slash sponsors to see all the cool people who sponsor the show. Isotope, File Pass, and Antares Autotune are just a few that we've got on the list, folks. So thanks again for listening. And uh, thanks, James, for picking a great clip. Thank you to DK for giving super good insight and James as well. And with that, DK, sign us off. Of course. Happy mixing, my friends. And stay saucy.
Psst. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Come join our Discord. The Mixing Music Discord server is filled with tons of awesome information and people. People that can help you out and information that can help you grow your business and to help you improve your mixes. So come join us and find the invitation link at mixingmusicpodcast.com. We have a lot of videos of the podcast and various other tutorials on YouTube. You can subscribe to our channel at mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash YouTube. Happy mixing and enjoy the show.